Welcome to Junior Elves and Now What? Episode 17. As a family, we just recently watched A Secret Life of Pets 2. And for those of you who saw the first one and the second one, there were some interesting, uh, for lack of a better word, moral uh, attitudes and viewpoints in there. One of the things my wife and I have talked about, about rather disliking of the first one, was this whole idea that uh, the pets were murdering their owners. Um, or perhaps they didn't use the word murder, but they certainly used the word kill. Uh, not a huge fan of that. There was certainly some comedy to it, but not that spectacular of a movie. The second one, for the most part, I thought was much better. Uh, they definitely changed the viewpoint more from the perspective of uh, survival to more of the perspective of protect. There was, however, one thing in there that I have to take some major uh, grievance to, for lack of a better word. There is a scene in the movie, without ruining the plot for anyone who's going to see it, where one of the characters uh, begins to struggle with some rather serious changes happening in the life around him, his world, as it were, and uh, has to go in and see a professional about it. Now, obviously, this is in the world of animals and pets, so the terminology I'm using here may be accurate, but it may be portraying something different in your minds. Having said that, continuing on, uh, there is a character that this, let's call it main character A, meets a person who sort of becomes their mentor at one point in the show. And as this character A is expressing to this mentor some of the things that they're dealing with, this mentor very quickly and abruptly performs an act and says, there, you're better, and let's move on. Very much the attitude and mentality of walk it off, deal with it, suck it up. And in some situations, like with most things in life, that attitude might be the right thing. However, I think it's portraying very much the wrong message globally when it comes to things like those that are struggling with neurological or psychological challenges. Now, I realize this is probably very, quote unquote, new age of me or, you know, too modern or whatever you want to call it. But I have very, very deep personal experiences with some of these things. And so I want to portray a bit more of a open-minded understanding of what I think the, the reality is here. And so I'm going to dedicate this podcast to, in large respects, my children, because each one of my children has a different challenge, as all of us do in this mortality. For those of you who are familiar with the old tale of Beauty and the Beast, one of the things that makes this tale a great visual for what I want to portray here is this picture of the beast itself. When any of the main characters meet the beast, they first have this reaction of, oh my gosh, look at this gigantic, hairy, nasty creature. And it's usually kind of a repulsive thing. Now, once you get past that repulsiveness, there's a certain element that every single person who sees this, or most people who see this character, this beast, experiences is a certain amount of, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you. How can we help? What is it you're doing to work around or through or with this challenge you have? On a very small note, there's this, how can we fix you? How can we make you better? How can we conquer this? Now, in the Beauty and the Beast story, there is a magic spell that was cast on this individual, and there was a means of conquering it. But uh, that conquering created a literally a physiological transformation. Now, most people in reality, if, say, they lost a limb, there isn't a 
magical spell that you can cast to give them a new limb again. Those people have to deal with that. I met a person very recently who was was completely missing the uh, one corner of their skull. Like they had no eye, no eye socket, except the, that entire portion of their eye had been removed or their, their head had been removed. Now, I'm not saying this to try to make you feel pity or what was I doing staring at this individual. They came up to me to have a discussion about something that was going on around us. That they were very pleasant. But I immediately saw that, as I'm sure every other person did. It was very obvious, very apparent. And I reacted in the same way many people do. Oh, my goodness, you've got this challenge. Now, I didn't come right out and say this to this individual, but it's very apparent and very obvious. I keep reemphasizing that because there are things that affect the way we're wired, our brains specifically. And I'm sure that there's an emotional and psychological element that I can far from comprehend to even discuss. But right now, I'm focusing on the neurological, meaning as your body is being formed and created and you are born neurologically in your brain, each one of us is wired a little differently. But for some of us, we're wired significantly differently than, say, the quote unquote normal person. But that's not obvious. It's not in your face. It's not, hey, I'm missing an eye or, hey, I'm covered in hair or, hey, I'm missing a limb. It's, hey, you know what? I don't see the world the way you do. Um, I'm quite colorblind in reality, uh, and I don't say that from the standpoint of I can't see colors, but I am very challenged when I see certain colors. I often call them the wrong name because I genuinely think that's what they are, and I'm wrong. But that's not something you can look at me and know. You have to hear me or see me react. Then from your perspective, well, is he telling the truth? Does he really not know? Is he making fun of me? Is this a joke? No, this is reality. I've learned to deal with it, yes. But um, there is no getting better when it comes to this. There is getting through it or working around it. I, I think another great illustration of this is if you've ever seen the TV show, The Dead Zone. It's about a gentleman who ends up getting severely injured, uh, has a brain injury and is in a coma for quite a while. And when he finally comes out of the coma, he has had a, um, uh, his brain has almost rewired itself so that it works somewhat differently. Now, I'm not saying that's true for anybody and everybody who has any kind of neurological challenge, but this is a great illustration of, again, if you were to look at this individual, you could not see physically that he was different than anyone else, but neurologically he is. Um, there's a lot of people out there who get diagnosed with things by psychologists and psychiatrists. Myself, all three of my kids, my wife, and others I know have all seen a professional who has a diagnosis with something. Does that mean that, that person is milking us for money? there's always that possibility. But that also doesn't defute the possibility. Defute? That's, we're going to go with it, even though it's a new word. Defute the possibility that it's very possibly true. We meet a lot of the symptoms that talk about some of these various different challenges. Myself, I have been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And the person that diagnosed me also said that because through my own intellect, I've learned to, through observation and mimicry, conquer and I say conquer, but that's a poor choice of words. I have learned to overcome, work around, or work through, or perhaps even a better word is mask, some of my symptoms. I was not going to be diagnosed in her mind as being autistic or on the spectrum. She also said that if I had been present 10, 15, 20 years ago and been through the same regiment of tests, she may have diagnosed me with it. And this is an illustration where whatever I'm struggling with, I didn't overcome. I didn't get better. I learned to work through, work around, 
or even to some extent, mask. In talking about this, one of the important points is how do we deal with a person who has some of these kinds of challenges? Now, because my kids are a case that is very close and dear to my heart, and they've let me talk about some of these things, I'm going to give a couple of quick uh, illustrations of what I mean. When you're dealing with a situation where you're having some kind of emotional reaction, and I'm not talking about joy or happiness, I'm talking about an emotional reaction where you're beginning to break down. You're in a situation where you're becoming, for lack of a better word, irrational, uh, whether it's through crying, whether it's through moping, whether it's through whatever. Usually one of the symptoms of a person who's having these kinds of breakdowns or reactions is they begin to stop communicating. And you can't get through to them. You are speaking, but nothing is entering in or at least being digested and comprehended. It's just hitting dead space and stopping. Now, how do you deal with a person who's having these kind of reactions? There's a huge gambit of ways. But in very simple terms, with my children that are on the spectrum, the answer is not to solve the problem that caused the reaction. In fact, if you try to do that, it actually makes it worse, sometimes exponentially worse. To whatever their reaction is, it's going to get much worse. Um, I remember as a child trying to vacuum out the back of my parents' car, and there was a little dead bee in the back. And I remember trying to vacuum it and being so utterly terrified of this dead bee that I literally started crying, and I could not break out of it. There was no way of fixing the problem that would snap me out of it, okay? Having said that, the solution came in a very simple form, and that was distraction. Now, that sounds like, well, you're just not dealing with your problem. The reality is, is I'm dealing with the situation and dealing with the situation here is I'm dealing with the, the, um, the reaction, um, the symptom for lack of a better word, and then dealing with the cause. So in this situation, it was distracting me. I had a friend over who helped me kind of break out of that and begin to look at other things, see other things, even if it was just some stupid, silly jokes, which mind you, I love. And I was able to snap out of it. And after I was able to snap out of it, it was less of an issue for me. We were able to deal with it. Okay. Having said that, with my ADHD child, if we try to distract him from it, he can't seem to quite break out of it. It's almost like he is anchored to the problem. So if instead we say, okay, here's the cause of what's causing you to be upset. Let's, let's put it in the simple forms of trying to clean your room. If we ask him to clean his room and it's complete chaos and we send him down there to do it, he gets overwhelmed. I think I've talked about that in the form of dishes before. He gets overwhelmed by the volume of stuff that's around him and he has a difficult time breaking out of it. Well, distracting him isn't going to fix the problem or the symptom. However, if we sit down and we address it with him, hey, I'm going to help you clean your room with you. It's almost like that ice instantly breaks. He can focus and he can address it and he can do it. We do the same thing when we do the dishes. I will say it's time for you to load. Well, he gets overwhelmed very quickly. But if I help him unload the sink and organize the dishes, he loads it and he's fast and he's accurate and he's good. And so these things that are, let's call them invisible challenges, meaning they exist, they're there. But because they're in our brain, we can't see them. They're hard to uh, address. Uh, There are solutions. But I think the first thing we need to do is embrace the reality that for most of us, it's not a question of getting better. It's a question of working around or through them. Um, so let's let's uh, migrate into the quote of these podcasts, and that is, what if the only way to achieve your maximum potential is to stop trying to fix people? And I'm not talking about that from the standpoint of procreation. I'm talking about from the standpoint of, oh, there's something wrong with you. What can I do to fix you, right? 
if a person's missing an arm, what are you going to do to fix them? Well, you're not. But there is something else you can do. So let's move into the and now what portion of this podcast. And now what? Well, instead of viewing the world from the standpoint of trying to fix it, when we see somebody that needs help, and I have to give this quote to my wife because I thought it was phrased beautifully, our attitude should not be, let's try to fix it. Our attitude should be, what can we do to help them be happier and successful? Because remember, successful and happy are not a direct consequence of things being easy. Okay, I would even argue that when we try to make life easier, it rarely makes life better. We want the people around us to be happier and successful. That doesn't mean to be fixed. Everyone have a spectacular week. Smile, be happy, and remember that just like a snowflake, you're unique, like everyone else. And remember that there are some rather insane people out there who like frog's legs. And then there's Chuck Norris, who likes lizard legs, hence snakes. <laughs>